0: I'm Sarah, and I am the Chair of Coventry Cultural Education Partnership, and I'm also the Director of Highly Sprung, a small arts organisation based in Coventry and committed to children and young people's development. And you are listening to CSEP's brilliant podcast, a podcast brought to you by CSEP, the Coventry Cultural Education Partnership. And for those of you who don't know or who are asking what is CSEP, Well, it's a group of brilliant people committed to children and young people in Coventry. And we work with an even more brilliant collection of cultural champions in schools, arts organisations, and the heritage and culture sector across the city to ensure that every child and young person in Coventry has the opportunity to experience cultural learning opportunities that enable them to flourish, to thrive, and to be optimistic about their futures. We've created this podcast series to bring together some brilliant people to talk about some of our most important topics, to better connect teachers, creatives, cultural organisations and more, to allow us to be inspired, to learn and to grow from each other. These podcasts have been made to celebrate some of the work that's happening in Coventry, but we're sure that the themes and topics that we're going to discuss are going to be relevant across the sector nationally. We're going to hear from a panel of experts discussing their experiences in education, from their major successes right through to the mistakes they've learnt from, so that we can all be more brilliant, spread our impact further and help make children's lives better. Coventry was named one of the UK's most diverse cities in September 2022, but we still have so much work to do in making every young person feel included. In today's episode, we'll be discussing how arts and cultural partnerships can transform the lives of young people in our brilliant city so that they feel fully seen, heard and represented. We hope you enjoy this episode and stay tuned to the end to find out how you can get involved in helping us to make sure that Coventry is a place where all children and young people can be brilliant. So I'm surrounded by another incredible group of people in the room today and I know we're going to have a really exciting conversation. So we're going to start just by inviting you to say a little bit about yourselves and the work that you do
1: and maybe even talk about some of the partnerships that are involved in the work that you do. So who wants to go first? Um, my name's Rena Josiah and um, I guess I'll describe myself as a multi disciplinary arts practitioner. Um, I've been running a theatre company for over 10 years called Castaway Arts and um, I work in partnerships with lots of community organisations that I reach out to through conversation and our aim is to give a voice to those that are cast away from society, unheard stories and we like to uh, uh, tackle taboo issues or issues that are regarded as taboo. I also do a lot of work with the Belgrade Theatre, working with their targeted um, Asian youth theatre group. Um, again, we do lots of partnerships with various organisations. And um, right now I'm a co-founder of a online video, docu docuseries called Middy Media, which is about giving uh, a voice to those rising from the mud or sharing an inspirational story.
2: Um, So my name's Anthony Ruck. Um, I've got a few different jobs, I guess. Uh, So one is uh, I work at an organisation called Culture Central. Um, And we're a membership organisation, but our role really is um, bringing together the cultural sector in the West Midlands to kind of convene, challenge and connect them to create opportunities through culture. But specifically kind of thinking about the people and the places within the region as well. So we don't create artistic content, but we are an organisation that supports the sector and the individuals that work within it. Um also I kind of have a bit of a background, I guess, in research and, and policy as well and, and practice too. Um so I sort of specialise in creativity, education and inequalities and um a sociologist, kind of a researcher looking at how those work in education in England too.
3: Thank you. Uh, so my name is Laura Nyahuye. I am originally born and raised in Zimbabwe, but um yeah, I moved to the UK about 22 years ago now and I am I consider myself a creative visionary Um, and I run an organization founder of an organization called mawoko so for my creative practice I make body adornments to tell stories I work in theater I write so it's multidisciplinary um, but the the centre of that it's really about migrant communities. It's about reflecting on issues that really are very close to my heart, issues around women and how migration impacts on migrant communities. So that really connects with Maoko, the organisation, and our focus is to build bridges within the community that they are living, and we use art to to do that. The the organization itself started as, I would say, a passion as as an itch in terms of like a question of why are migrant communities finding it very, very difficult to integrate? And the other question was, where are migrant community humans in the arts and cultural sector because they were not visible when I um, started living in uh, in Coventry. And for me as an artist, it was very difficult for me to integrate and to find the opportunities. So our bit as an organization is to really remind migrant communities about their value and the gifts that they bring to Coventry and beyond, reminding them of who they are. Yeah, I think I'll stop there.
0: Amazing. So at Coventry Cultural Education Partnership, one of the aims and ambitions that we have is that every child and young person in the city has the opportunity to access the kind of the richness of the cultural opportunities that might exist in the city. So we're really trying hard to make sure that those opportunities exist and that young people know how to access them. And and I think that part of the ambition includes making sure that every child sees themselves represented or opportunities kind of represent their interests and their um, needs and cultures. And Coventry, I don't know if you know, in 2022 was named one of the most diverse cities in the country. So we know that there is a, a huge uh, variety of different cultures and languages spoken in the city, you know, more so than in other cities in the country. And I think, I'd just be really interested to hear your take on where that um, theme of diversity and of how young people and people generally are being represented sits within the work that you do.
2: I mean, I have a strong opinion. We love, we love <laughs> Shall we start? start there. <laughs> so, I mean, um, in terms of the work that I do, you know, I don't have a creative practice, don't work in an arts organisation, but have worked a lot in this way. And I think the question kind of starts with the people that are doing the work, actually. So when we look at the people that are working or making decisions about what happens in culture, in education, quite often they represent a certain type of the population, right? So um, I'm trying to think uh, the workforce that we know that works in the cultural sector is, you know, largely white largely middle class you know kind of um and other kind of characteristics so i think for me the question is partly about then what does that mean in terms of the work that you're delivering and and what your expectations are of, of young people that are going to take part in that work as well so there's kind of um before we start to think about sort of like oh how do we make how do we make our offer more diverse? Or how do we get more, more diverse young people, you know, in the broader sense, involved in what we're doing? Um, There's kind of a point of recognition of going, well, actually, the sector itself is not diverse and doesn't represent these people, doesn't represent um, the more kind of really expansive idea of what creativity and and culture is in its widest sense as well. It's kind of, um, so there's a bit of work, I think, that's about unpacking why we do the work that we do um, and why we're kind of really welded to certain art forms or ways of working and why we think we have to teach kids that as well, that kind of comes through. So that's my kickoff for the start. Thank you.
1: And I'll just um, respond to that. So um the reason why I was called to do some work at the Belgrade Theatre over eight years ago was because they only attracted a particular group of people and they wanted to reach uh, more communities. So I was called in to run the Asian Youth Theatre and um, I thought at first, well, why the Asian Youth Theatre? But they said, you know, we need to do targeted works. So we're not reaching Asian communities and, and you know, Asian communities are you know vast communities. It's not just... Indian kids it's Pakistani Nepalese Tamil there's you know a whole array of Asian cultures in Coventry and I fortunately have those relationships with those communities because of my I guess my um, creative curiosity and wanting to reach people and find hey what's what's your community about who are you and you know I'm just nosy like that but I think it's a great way to build bridges so that's why targeted work was done at the Belgrade and it was quite rightfully done um, they successfully ran a black youth theatre, which had, again, uh, lots of different communities in Coventry. And I think that's where it starts. Targeted work is really important because otherwise we don't attract the true voices of underheard young people in the city.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think picking on that, um, in terms of representation, it is such a big... Uh, <sighs> There's no, not well now, slightly improved, but it needs more work. Um, I think I'll give you an example of um, like uh, two things that happened. Like uh, some years, this is going back years ago when I was um, volunteering somewhere. And I was delivering like an arts and craft um, workshop. And there was a group of women who are from, again, from, uh, refugee-seeking backgrounds, and they brought in their children and all that, but most of them, um, what you could hear from them was like a, a very deep sigh of relief of, okay, you get me, you you know wh- where I'm coming from, so that's like literally just a simple example of how important representation is. Um, this is when I was volunteering for refugee uh, for the refugee center, and quite recently we delivered workshops in in various at least three schools. Um, and the feedback that we received again was the same with the with the young people, that it, some of them cried, in terms of like they saw someone that looked like them, mm-hmm. saw someone that they could relate to. And the feedback was, was amazing. But what's interesting is who are the people sitting on, on the, like on the seats, the decision makers, the people who are sitting there, they don't make it easy for people like us, people like me to be in that school. So for me to be like, I always think like when I come into a conversation of like, you know, this kind of conversation, for me to be here and talking about this, it's because I've had to overcome in my own personal space, really discriminatory practices. And I still face them. It doesn't mean that I'm leading an organization or I've become more visible that this things do not happen they're still going on they still i'm still having to face them and it is laborious it is heartbreaking it is tiring mm-hmm. so i totally agree with you like the the work of going into communities into schools that is not i i believe that it's not um it's not hard if the people who are sitting at the higher tables, make the right decisions. And if they are representative of who the communities are. But the problem is there. And it continues to exist as much as we are doing the hard work um, on the ground
2: the decision making things really interesting. So in, cause I think it's, it is exactly that, but also there's a, there's a whole spectrum of decision making that's happening around cultural education. So one of the things that came up from the research <clears throat> was uh, conversations, obviously there's kind of like national policy around what cultural education should be, should look like, you know, the questions of like things like cultural capital come into all of that. Um, but what, one of the really interesting things that I found uh, working with and researching in a school based in East Birmingham um, that was uh, having a, a Shakespeare project. So all the, all the pupils in year eight had to perform uh, in a Shakespeare play um, and the, in, in Stratford at, at the end of term. Um, but were the ways that not only were the kind of the organisations talking about the work, but the teachers as well were talking about the pupils in this school. So um, just for context, the, the School has sort of a really high percentage, or is, is majority kind of um, Muslim, sort of um, uh, South Asian, Pakistani heritage pupils there, basically. Um, and the teachers there were talking about this project and the value of it, and everyone was saying, We're doing a really great arts project. It's really good, and it's giving the pupils confidence, and it's giving the pupils all of these things. Um, but the teachers were also, I was kind of saying, well, why is it doing this? Why is it this useful to these pupils? And they were saying, well, because like this is kind of alien to them. They don't They don't have this kind of experience. They don't use this kind of stuff. And I was like, well, that's a really strong word to use about someone's experience for taking part in the outright, saying these young people need Shakespeare. They need to have these types of cultural experiences to be acceptable in society, right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what's going But But that wasn't necessarily just the people at the top that are saying that. It's kind of filtering all the way through the system now. And I think it's that point, again, about the work that, like, organizations and like organizations like you are doing is kind of trying to challenge that a little bit and unpick the way that people make these assumptions about the work and it's really interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah it's almost like um those kind of organizations want to enrich those communities but actually it should be the other way around it's we've got a lot to say in terms of our representation we've got you know the asian community there is a a very famous romeo and juliet um story called he ranja that needs to be heard that needs to be seen in the western world not always the other way around so i think you know that dialogue needs to happen it's really really important Mm. Mm.
3: and it's an exchange isn't Mm. it it's an exchange of cultures because if if one comes into a city, so we we're talking about first generation migrants, second generation, third generation, because the way they are. So whether I I I've come into this country, I've had I have children that I'm now raising or who were born here, but my way of doing things it runs through. So even if like you know my my daughter or daughters have. Been raised here, and they understand the culture of the UK. They still have my roots in them because of how we do things at home. So there's there's real need to marry the cultures, to learn, and to have that space for for an exchange, which is always. It's
2: always one-sided, isn't it? And it, I'd, I'd like expand it all out and say, you know, it's like it is race, it's uh, class as well, it's um, migrant status, kind of all of these things. So I was really amazed, actually, it's come back into my head as you were saying, like um, one of the teachers was saying, oh, the value of this project is, you know, the kids that come to our school, um, they don't really sit around the dinner table with their families in the evening, they don't have these conversations about what's going on in the news. And I was thinking, well but why is that better like <laughs> why is sitting around a dinner table having a conversation with your parents kind of the marker of being a good pupil or a good student right like mm-hmm. what maybe maybe mum's working nights or mm-hmm. maybe you know what I mean like and there could yeah. be lots of things and there could be lots of other value that these families have by relating to um other activities that they do you know maybe on the weekends or knowing that they mum works at the hospital or you know these kind of things mm-hmm. so yeah. it just um it's really interesting isn't it how like you can expand all of this out, and, and I think it comes back to that question for me about who makes the decisions about culture and we kind of have like largely white middle class ideals about what is acceptable and what yeah, yeah. what kids need as well um and then I think it's also about interrogating that in terms of our artistic practice as well and going well why do we privilege certain things over others and say so, like that's a more valuable learning experience mm. for, for children yeah. young people mm. versus other things you know
3: exactly and I think in, in in that context, it's it's quite interesting because I I come from a, my, my parents were not, well my dad I didn't really. He he worked for the council. He was a councillor Asha, but his other um, job, which we didn't really look at as a job, was in theatre and he wrote scripts and things like that, you know, Dramatag. What I what I now know since I came here is Dramatag and all these, you know, theatre-making skills, but that's not what we called it. Mm-hmm. It's just something that uh, that he did and we were exposed to it and we just knew that, oh, he's really gifted in doing these things. So who is to say that it, it should be categorised in that isn't that like maybe something that the the uk or the system can learn from yeah um i'm going to talk a little bit about um the importance of
0: partnership in the work that you do and i think it feels like from what you've already said it's already really core to everything that you do that that partnerships are central to the development of your work and partnerships with with people and how you make connections with those people and i know um You did a lovely project all about uh, roots to roots. And I think Laura just mentioned that um, roots are a really sort of fundamental part of of how you think about yourself and your work. Um, and, And I know that you did a whole project which kind of invited people to really think about how they've journeyed here and what their roots are. And I wondered if you could talk about some of the partnerships that were involved in that project.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think the most important partnership with the Roots to Roots project with Maya um, Arts and the Belgrade was the partnership with the young people, the participants, and actually creating that safe space for them to share their stories of their journeys of migration um, in any way that they want to. And I, my job is really to facilitate their voice, and um, to support them with how they wanted to share that. And it was absolutely beautiful because they couldn't always tell their story, but they could dance it. And that was perfectly acceptable for them to show that through dance, through um, um, visual arts, through performance arts. And, you know, we had an eclectic, um, low key exhibition on such beautiful, amazing stories. And and the great process with that is they learned so much from each other and they had questions to. Asked their parents, so that you know so much richness came from that, and it was such a valuable experience. And with the partnership, it was again about working with the young people, mm. and that that's what that's where the importance should always be with how can we represent your voice, and they're always a part of the output. I think that is important. They can't just go, like, "Oh, here's all your ideas. We're going to create something." It's that like they were part of the whole process from A to Z. Yeah. Laura, do you want to talk a little bit about some of the amazing... Because I know you have
0: partnerships. You mentioned you've worked in schools, but you also work with adults and different communities. And how important are partnerships to the work that you do?
3: Um, they're really important. I think... Um, I'm I'm thinking back, Well, you know, when you said partnership, I'm thinking back to how... We managed to then partner with Belgrade Theatre mm-hmm. as opposed to before because they, they are like... um Of course, I don't want to name organisations on, on the podcast, but there they were local organisations that it was quite difficult to partner with, like maybe to even engage with those o- local organisations because it felt like, you know, the gates were like properly shut. Wow. But they, I remember... I was coming from Central Six actually, and I saw J- Justine from Belgrade Theatre. But because I'd seen her in a meeting somewhere, and I was looking for a venue to go to, to, to have an exhibition, a solo exhibition, I, I just had a conversation with her, stopped there literally, and then <laughs> I just said, I'm looking, I'm looking for a venue, and I heard that you work in um, Belgrade Theatre. That's how i would say, like, the partnership started, Amazing. because I then went to Belgrade Theater and they gave, they, they gave me a place uh, and this was for free. I didn't have the, the money to actually hire a space. And the partnership grew mm-hmm. from that, like from um, my solo exhibition. And mm-hmm. then we we, start, we started to work together as an organization as well. I, Maoko then became a springboard company with the Belgrade Theater. And that's been really, really quite um, useful and important because that then brought our young people into the Belgrade. Mm -hmm. And some of them had never been to the Belgrade Theatre before. So it was their first time to be there. And we started having, like, theatre shows and um, exhibitions, Black Future, were part of that. And we've had, like, two shows so far at the Belgrade Theatre. Yeah. And the other partnership that I can refer to that's a positive, I'll go back to a talks, an example of like a toxic partnership. Um, the other positive one was with Warwick Arts Centre. That was very positive. Again, it was a recent exhibition where I engaged with them. I co-curated an exhibition that was prophecy. And they were quite open to, right from the start of, how I think in my work, my way of working as an artist, like how we then engaged with communities was very, quote, they were very open to to learning from from my past experience, basically. Yeah. So that was really, really, that was quite important. That was quite critical because they didn't come to say, okay, you have to work, this is how we want to work with you. But they were more like, how do you think we can approach this? Mm-hmm. And that really opened up a whole lot of like exciting, more partnership from from communities, as well as the mm-hmm. exhibition in itself told a really strong story. And as part of that, we brought in our young people to be part of, like to be facilitators in some of the workshops. So not only did I get an opportunity to co-create, but we then brought in our young people to facilitate some of the workshops. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, there are um, some also toxic partnership that I would say, uh, the one that I can think of, again, I won't name the 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 organization, but it's, it happened, this is just one example. But why this is important is because it was a response to George Floyd. So, you know, there was this awakening that happened within organizations that was like, okay, we need to be more inclusive. We need to bring in black-looking people and work with them, make our organizations diverse. And um, that, the partnership, that one of the partnerships that we got involved, got into, felt like... It was going to be inclusive. The conversations were very, um, felt genuine. We asked the right, what we thought were the right questions. But unfortunately there is a whole, I I don't know, like um, there is a default space. And I would like to call, call it like a colonial way of thinking that is so embedded in organizations. In some organizations, in the way they think and they do things, that it doesn't feel like it's actually happening, because on the externally with their mouth they're saying the right things, but actions, their actions are otherwise. So this this kind of working, it's so it's so embedded yeah. into who they are. We are talking about roots here. Because the problem is not only the now, the problem is the history, right? So the history that we're dealing with, but because we've not dealt with this history in a very open way anyway, right? It's always been put under the carpet. In schools, children, they don't learn about this history. Mm -hmm. That's why for us, we've even introduced like a a project that is talking about, you know, black history and things like that. So if this problem is not talked about in schools. It's not talked about like generally speaking in these, uh, you know, um, organizations that are the arts organizations, whatever, whatever spaces that we can think of, we don't normally talk about the colonial histories, mm-hmm. but they come through still We've we we continue to experience that as an as an organization. We've had positive experiences with partnerships, but we've also had that colonial mindset yeah. that is not so obvious. That when you talk about it, it's like, what are you talking about? Where is colonialism now? It's gone. It doesn't exist, does it? But unfortunately, it still does, mm. in different in a different form.
1: And I feel like some people use. Um as us as tokens in our work and and they're not really having conversations and listening to our voices are we're the tokenized ethnic minority and that's so they've ticked a box and that's it and and it's not about that it's about absolutely challenging that whole history like you've said Laura and um yeah I kind of I'll talk about um that when we get on to that question yeah
2: Partnerships thing is really interesting as well. It's like this is like really specific, I think, to arts education or cultural education type stuff. But the idea of, I think, where I've seen it work really well or had experience of it working really well is where neither organization is saying, I'm here to do this for this is what I want as an organization, this is what I need, and this is what I'm going to get out of this project or get for my practice. It's where organizations are working together with um a particular kind of like group or people or purpose in mind that's not about them and their practice or their organization or their outputs but about how how does this actually have an impact on children, young people, for example? Um and I think actually that I hadn't thought of this before, but like the colonial thing's really interesting because I guess it's the idea of decentering your organizations in that practice and focusing on actually what should the what should the opportunity be there or what should the activity be for these children and young people. So I think those things work really, really well actually. And and I like the idea. I'm gonna I'm gonna I was about to say I'm gonna steal it. That would be really bad, wouldn't it? If I was I'm gonna steal your idea. <laughs> Decentering Woo. in partnership now yeah. i'm not going
0: to do that oh, God. Um, i wondered anthony yeah. if you could tell us a little bit and mm-hmm. um, i think one of the things i think that's been a really useful conversation framework has come out of culture central has been the more than a moment pledge which i know has gone a long way to starting to have conversations and hopefully see actions about making sure that black creatives are better supported throughout the region. So I wondered if you could just talk us about the impact of that work.
2: Yeah, so, um, so more than a moment um, came about. Um, so it was uh, after the murder of George Floyd. And there was a moment, I think, um, that came through with um, Elizabeth Lowell, who, who's on our board, um, who uh, came to Erica, um, who's chief executive Culture Central, with this idea about saying, actually, do you know what? There, there is a moment and there is some action that needs to happen within the region. Um, and out of that um, became a really uh, practical way I think and, um, of organisations starting to address some of the really historical systematic issues that address the black creative workforce um, and what that resulted in was um, and I haven't got the numbers off the top of my head uh, a pledge that organizations made to the principles of the the kind of the work behind more than a moment um around things like uh, increasing um the uh, the amount of work that was going to black creative workforce changing HR and recruitment practices um thinking about governance and and leadership boards as well so a whole series of quite um sort of uh, practical, I think, guidelines for organisations to work through and organisations commit to and um, self-report to each other. Um, that's moved on to a point now where more than a moment is continued year on year um, and uh, more organisations are signing up to the pledge and uh, continues now where actually more than a moment is kind of continuing as its own organisation in its own right to kind of hold the sector to account as well. Um, and as an organisation... We're signed up to the pledge and, we're, you know, we're trying to do that work ourselves and we think it's good for us to do and we think it's valuable for the sector to do. Um, there's been a massive amount in terms of increases in the investment that has gone into the black creative workforce because of this and the number of uh, contracts that have been awarded. Um, is it doing the right thing all the time and is it reaching everyone and is it the best pledge Um Probably not quite for me to say. I think that's you know for various people kind of working in and outside of the sector to to kind of comment on that. But for us, it's really important, and we're also looking at how now that some of the ideas and the principles behind that um, extend to um, South Asian communities as well, South Asian heritage and working class communities, and people with disabilities as well, and look and looking at thinking about how we can expand. Um, some of those principles behind it to uh, sort of a wider representation of people that have traditionally been excluded, um, I think, from from the cultural sector as well. And I, I have to make this point about it because we have a big argument all the time at Culture Central. So... My my take on the language around this is that people say they are underserved or people that um aren't represented in the sector. And I sort of the language that I like to use around it is saying that these um, there are people that have actually been excluded from careers in the sector. Underserved means that the sector hasn't been doing enough for you. Actually, exclusion, I think, is it describes the process in a much more active way. So that's kind of the language that we'd like to try and use a little bit now as well.
0: And I think in terms of partnership, mm-hmm. it's done a really good job at at bringing partners together to have those really sometimes challenging conversations and, and to sort of hold that accountability and responsibility together. So it's it's been um, a really important moment for the sector, I think. So thank you for sharing. Rina, you mentioned that there might be certain types of partnership that aren't so positive, And I wondered if you just wanted to share some of the thoughts around that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'll give you an example because I've been many. Um, I worked in collaboration with a, a quite reputable theatre company and they were really excited to work with Asian Youth Theatre. Like, you know, it's so exciting. And I thought, well, what were we excited about? Oh, the colours. Um, and It was all kind of stereotypical stuff. We went, Let's do a wedding. And they didn't actually ask us you know what? What do you want to hear from us? It was like they had their preconception, of what they thought the Asian community was about. I was like, well, hang on, my group are um, an absolute rainbow of different Asian communities. What you're trying to say about this group is is inaccurate, absolutely. So I challenged it, mm-hmm. and I made sure that um, I questioned absolutely everything that did. And I said, how are you going to take their stories and represent our voice in an accurate way that? you know, celebrates them or just shares a story that they want to share. They don't want to do it about, maybe they don't want to do it about the culture. Maybe they're just talking about, you hey, I'm a Coventry lad. I want to talk about my experience as a lad in school and my um, passion for football. You know, mm. it, it doesn't have to be this sort of like the labels. Um, so, yeah, and, and and I just, I challenge and question. And, and that's what I did to make sure I you know put my stamp on, um, well, doing justice for the young people that mm. I worked with. So, and I think that always needs to be done because there's too many people who just comply, yeah, yeah, let's just work with them because we work with them and they're great and we're getting paid no challenge all the time. Yeah, it's really important. Um, I also think it's
0: important that we do take learning from those negative experiences. And I wondered if there was any learning that you could perhaps share with us um, about how you think we should build better partnerships and whether there are any particular practices conversations or even um frameworks that we should bring into work to ensure that we are entering into partnerships in a more positive way and hopefully having a better impact and fundamentally let's make sure that more people are are getting involved
2: i have another strong opinion on this (laughs) (laughs) we love
0: these strong opinions
2: so i think one one of the really fundamental things that um uh, that we kind of get wrong in arts, cultural education quite a lot is that we're really unclear about what the different terms mean in relation to the practice that's happening. So for me, and in terms of the work, again, that I've seen, arts education, cultural education and creative education are three very different things and they each have their value. So arts education is a very specific, you know, is kind of about um, educating or or teaching young people about a particular art form, I would argue. You know, that's about kind of a knowledge and about learning how to, um, how that relates to a a particular discipline. Cultural education for me is is more expansive and is about understanding culture in its broadest sense, what it, you know, the kind of. The, what's happening in a society or what kind of things are, are emerging from the people, the culture that's created in that particular place. And for me, creative education then is about kind of how um, how children and young people are given the skills um, and, the, and the knowledge as well to be creative or to have creative kind of aptitudes in the work that they do. And for me, I think we, we do all of those things really well um, in arts, cultural, and creative education, but they are all three quite distinct and different things. And going in and understanding which of those are the ones that we're kind of working on um, as part of as part of what we're doing is, is really important, actually, because it's absolutely fine to go and do a theatre workshop in a school, you know, as an arts education practice. Yes, you might get some kind of creative stuff out of that as well, but being really clear about the purpose and the reasons behind the work as well, I think, are really important. But I'm happy to be challenged on that as well.
1: I don't, I don't know whether there was <laughs> much to, to that felt mm. unacceptable. There, no, I thought that, that was yeah. really sensible. I've just never heard it in that way. Actually, I think that's really useful to kind of think because I kind of work like that, but didn't know those terms. <laughs> so
2: and, yeah, and, and these are terms that people have yeah. used and we, we never kind of unpick them ourselves actually and um, and I think actually there's there's also something within all of this and it relates to creativity but the I sort of see the arts and um, a lot of what happens in really good arts education practice as kind of a like a pedagogically it sounds really awful now pedagogically rich space the way that creatives and the way that artists think and have been trained to think um, allows for kind of a different educational experience and allows young people to think outside of kind of what is possible or what, what the kind of the curriculum states or the ways that we normally have to kind of approach things so i think um uh, the art basically what i'm saying is the arts um is a really useful space for teaching those skills around creativity as well but understanding why and the purpose and the value of those three things is is really important and there is value in each of those three areas
0: there was something really inspiring laura that i was hoping you might be able to share with us and i think for me it really represented just the, the power and the richness that partnerships can bring and that is fundamental to your work. Could you explain to us where the name for your organisation kind of comes from?
3: Yeah, um, yeah. So mawoko Mar- 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 is a shona, is a shona word. Um, it's, um, it means our hands, not hands as in H-E-N-S. <laughs> <laughs> it's our hands. So, um, like where I come from in, in Zimbabwe. <laughs> <Sorry. Don't> be <laughs> yeah, because my daughter always corrects me on that, like, oh, you hands, hands. <laughs> 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 it's hands, it's hands. Oh no, it's hands. What? <laughs> but anyway, so um, where I come from in Zimbabwe, we say like when, when a child is born, they are born with their hands in a, in a fist. They're holding their gifts and talents. And when they come out, um, they're slowly opening their hands, giving their gifts and talents um, to the world. And when they're gone, their hands are fully open. They've come and um, they've given. So that's where Maoko is derived from. I think the other one, like to go deeper into, into that meaning, what, what really is interesting about that is when a child is born, they are born in whatever country that they're born in, isn't it? And we believe as an organization in, in them, in their core, this gives the, they have them. It, it doesn't matter what country they're born in, but then depending on the country depending on the systems that then starts to carve out their path those gifts and talents can be stagnated for whatever the system is whatever is going on so for us we believe that when we really embrace those those people who've come in like in this context we're in the uk when we really bring them in what we are looking for is really to awaken their core who they really are because we believe that they have something to give no matter what the system is saying yeah yeah
0: and i think for me what was so so beautiful about that is that when we are thinking about partnerships that shouldn't we all be going in with our hands open ready to Mm. share and to receive and i think that goes back to that negative experience you know if people had come in open with our hands open wanting to listen wanting to hear then perhaps that that experience would have been richer yeah absolutely
2: Mm. yeah thank you makes me think i I hadn't thought again there's it's interesting there's some um stuff that came up so a piece of work that i was involved in a couple of years ago was um the durham commission on creativity and education so like a big review of creative education that's happening in england Um, and one of the one of the big not arguments but like one of the really big discussions about it was there is a narrative that exists within the sector um and you've just articulated it really beautifully it's making me think about it um that everybody can be creative and actually that's an absolute lie and i really challenge that you cannot be creative if you don't have the space at home if you don't have the time or the support or even the um you know if you feel safe and welcome you know in in the place that you live and actually so the idea of you know like people um, having all of those talents and interests, but the systems kind of um, really challenging those or repressing those is is really really valuable. And again, I think there's something about the the work that some organisations do, but isn't really kind of happening for everyone about how do you remove what are you doing as organizations to remove some of those barriers um you know how are you ensuring that children or young people their families can actually get to a space if you're putting something on or if they've got have they even got time in the family to kind of um do those kind of things and how do we remove some of those barriers that maybe if you um have other certain privileges you don't think about those things because they're not real to you've you never experienced them so um yeah thank you for that i'm I'm stealing more ideas from you today i'm so sorry (laughs)
0: I think um, it's undeniable that there have been some really difficult and challenging aspects of the conversation that, that we've that we've entered into today. Um, I, and I think it's really important that we make space to have more of these conversations. So I really hope that that the conversations we've had inspire other conversations, particularly through the partnerships that we're hoping we'll see happen across um the city and beyond. But I think it would be great if we could finish with a moment to kind of reflect and perhaps even celebrate some of those moments that you might have experienced in your work um, and in your careers where you've really seen a transformation or the impact of of the work that you do and and the importance of those um, partnerships where you've seen a child, a young person, a group of of young people who've really felt that through the work that they've engaged in with you, that they've felt heard, and they felt represented,
1: and they felt seen. Well, <laughs> okay. I'm going to talk about I'm going to talk about Laura's project. Laura's, <laughs> yeah. um, I think it's really important to mention this because um. um Sorry, Laura, I've just forgot the name of your project. Um, yeah, young, young and Gifted. That's it, Young and Gifted, because it's got some X's in there. My dyslexia, yeah, yeah, I've yeah. I pronounced it all wrong. <laughs> but um, one of my young people um, has been absolutely transformed by this project. Um, um, he, w- he was kind of not willing to go and he wouldn't have accessed it. That's the thing, access is the issue. He wouldn't have accessed it if, um, you know, through home... Um, but he needed to have those conversations about his heritage, his culture, his race that he wouldn't have um, where he is in his setting. And, um, you know, it's inspired him so much. He spoke to all his teachers about it. He's kind of thought about changing his direction of career. And I think, you know, that is a value of the work. Um, he feels heard. He felt safe and he still feels safe. And, you know, it's, that is the impact of your work. And that's just one child. Oh. So I don't know what impact it's having on everyone else, but and and you know he was very difficult to engage. Um, but you know that that is the beauty of yeah. of what is one example that I wanted to share. Thank you. Oh,
2: thank you. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs>
3: thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing. That's just so. Yeah. It's one of those that you just need a moment to digest, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's very. I think um I think as an a- a- adding on to that like an example that we can give is we've got two two young adults who were um we we worked with again one was born in raised here one migrated from where they migrated from again it it was about like how we worked how we worked with them was different from how they've been, like other cultural organizations that they've been exposed to. So we work with them in a way that now, as we're speaking, they've um, they're at Goldsmith. they're doing the MA, they've realized, like you know, exactly the path that they want to that they want to take. And it was because I I think the, the thing that I can putting there that's quite important is around lived experience mm. because we can, we can go in and give and produce this, this project, but there's something that is quite core and very important for like um to come in with lived experience because the young people will see it. They will really look onto it and they will uh, see themselves in that in in whatever it is that we are delivering. So, yeah, I would say, like, those, yeah, those two young people, that's the example that I can give. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That they are (laughs) now, like, doing their MA, it's just so amazing. And obviously with Young and Gifted, thank you, Rina.
1: Thank you.
3: That's quite powerful because it's the same approach, how we've approached it. It's about really tapping into being in the shoes. I think someone talked about, how does it feel being in that person's shoes? How does it feel? So that's the approach that we try to to
2: take.
0: Amazing. Looks like you've got the last oh, words, no.
2: Anthony. No, hopefully not. <laughs> um, and so I'm have there's there's you know, there's so many examples and um of stuff that I could give, but I'm just trying to think about a particular programme or project that I was involved in that was quite transformative for me. And actually I think like a lot of the practice, it was a, um probably about ten or so years ago. So there was a um I'm I'm very conscious on this example as well. So it sounds like a little bit like I'm pathologizing children and young people in this process. And it's it's not to kind of um say that. Um, but there was a, a national programme that looked at um the impact, I suppose, of arts and cultural education on um, I'm doing air quotes disadvantaged and vulnerable young people. Um, and one of the youth groups that we we were working with a number of youth groups across London, partnering them with arts organisations. Um, one of the youth groups um was mainly made up of young people that were involved in um uh, gang uh, related violence and activities, basically, and there was. The, this youth club had sort of struggled the whole time with kind of being on the program and kind of going, no, it's not for us. We don't want to be part of it. You know, it's, it's too much. It's not working for the kids. And and we kept on saying, like, oh, do you know what? Well, if that's if that's the case and you're you're really worried about pulling up, let's change it. Let's do something else. So, we were taking lots of steps as an organisation to go. Do you know what? It's okay. We'll make it work. Um. So this whole program had been really really stressful, and I didn't. You know, I wasn't directly connected to many of the young people taking part, but um, we did a residential and we did it um over two years actually. And um, one of the young people that had been involved at the start of the programme came back to the second residential and there was a screen printing workshop that was going on that was like just a drop in activity um, and had screen printed a T-shirt for... Uh, one of his friends that had been stabbed and died um, the previous year, basically. Um, And so made this really beautiful T-shirt in a very quiet moment, in a very small way on this residential, but sort of um, spoke to, I think, a little bit the power of all the artists and the people working on that project to think about the young people um, that were involved there, to have the confidence to say, this isn't working, we'll try something else, and be creative and come up with something that really worked for that young person. So, yeah, for me, it kind of sums it up a lot.
0: Yeah. That's really beautiful. Well, thank you all so much for giving up your time today and sharing those incredible experiences with us. It's been really, really rich conversation. And um, I'm really grateful that you've been in the room together. So thank 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 you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of CSEP's brilliant podcast. We're here to spread the word bring people together through brilliant partnerships that create more opportunities for Coventry's learning and cultural sectors to work together, to improve the quality of activity and extend the reach and impact of cultural learning for all children and young people. If you'd like to join us on our mission, you too can become a cultural champion, someone committed to working together to make sure that children and young people have access to arts and culture. To sign up to become a cultural champion or to find out more about CSEP, please visit our website at coventrysep.org.uk or subscribe to our newsletter or find us on social media across all the most popular platforms. To be the first to hear about the future episodes of this podcast, just search for CSEP's brilliant podcast in your favourite podcast app and click subscribe. And a big thanks to a brilliant Year 11 student from a Coventry Extended Learning Centre who created our podcast's music with the Coventry Music Hub.